right, we want to welcome everyone tonight, those that are here in the congregation and those who are jumping on Facebook Live. We are going to get into another psalm tonight. This is number 172 of Mind Brain Connection, and we're going to be talking about Psalm 91. That's a very, very popular psalm that a lot of people will read or recite in a group. And as we shared before, on, especially on Psalm 1, I think we said it in Psalm 23 too, but especially in Psalm 1, what I shared was these are not commands. You're not commanded to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You're not commanded, as Psalm 1 says, to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. They are observations. What does that mean? It means we can see the results of a person that walked this way in their lifestyle. And we can see the results. So then we can say, okay, if it worked for this person and I can see the fruit that they bore in their life, see, that's an observation, then I know that I can do it too. I'm observing how this person walked, what their lifestyle was. We observe the fruit that came out of it. And so therefore, we contend that it is not a command telling us you got to do this. It's an observation. Oh, I see. I see. And so therefore, I can have this as my lifestyle, and I can bear especially fruit that remains rather than fruit that's hit or day and gone tomorrow or short-lived. Now, when we get into Psalm 91, what I want us to see is that the author of this particular psalm, which in Aramaic are songs, not psalms, and I shared that with you when we first got into the book of Psalms, they were songs that became revelation to these people that they sang. Just like the word, you know, our Bible confirms what's already written on our heart and our mind. Okay? And once it's quickened to us, it becomes our song. Sometimes you find yourself singing them. Sometimes I'll sing what I'm going to teach at home. I'll walk around the house and something will hit me about that which I'm going to minister on Sunday. And I'll just start singing it from time to time. I have done that and still do that. Now, as I said, this psalm is the author's unknown, but I believe that it was Moses that penned these words. I believe Moses was the one that penned these words. Now, at the end, what I'm going to do is give you my paraphrase, because I made a paraphrase of all of Psalm 91, and I'm going to give you my paraphrase that will simplify everything that I said in the teaching. You know, a lot of people pray this, as I said, in unison with a group. You know, you've been to a funeral, maybe they will quote as a group Psalm 23. That's not what this is about. <laughs> But many people will do that. They'll, they'll pray this Psalm 91, or they'll recite it, and they think, well, then the snare of the fowler. I'm going to be protected from the snare of the fowler. I'm going to be protected from the noisome pestilence, from the terror by night, and all that sort of thing that we'll talk about when we get there tonight. But they look at that as something outside of them. I say that again. <laughs> they will recite Psalm 91, and they think that they're going to be protected from things outside of them. Now, I'm not saying they aren't. But I'm going to say this. It doesn't always happen. That's right. It doesn't always happen. They're not always protected. They may have an accident or something might happen or some That's disease, right. diagnosed with some disease. Yep. But what I want to show you tonight is the, can I say, foolproof way <laughs> yeah. of doing what Psalm 91 says and then the snare of the fowler, the noisome pestilence, the terror by night, the arrow that flieth by day, the pestilence that walks in darkness, the destruction at noonday, all of those things cease, but they don't cease out here primarily. They cease in here. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. And when they cease in yes. here, yes. when they cease in here, right. from yes. us living by the lower thoughts, the lower yes. desires then they will cease out here. Yes, they will. Then there can be protection from dangerous things out here. So the difference is, do we want to pray Psalm 91 
and have it work for us once in a while? Or do we want to realize what Psalm 91 really is? And do we want our thoughts of the left side to be yielded to our Christ mind and then begin to experience the safety and the protection, not only out here, but primarily and first and foremost in here. And so that's what we're going to look at. And we're going to look at this in an allegorical sense. I've entitled this the allegorical reality of Psalm 91. I wrote a post this week, and I explained, because I heard an individual say something, and they said, well, I'm all for the dark sayings. I'm all for the allegory and the, and the uh, parable and the, the symbology of the scriptures, but I want to experience it out here in my walk, too. But you can't divide the two. Because when you experience it in here, yes. and the left has been yielded, and the masculine and yes. the feminine has become one subjectively, manifestation, awareness is manifestation. It will spontaneously, when we really, really have joined masculine and feminine by yielding the left, manifestation is spontaneous. Yes. I mean, we realize, first of all, we are the manifestation, yes. but then the manifestation subjectively yes. begins to manifest out of our life. But listen, these psalms have not been looked at that way. They have definitely not been looked at that way. So if you found Psalm 91, let's begin reading here. And I'm going to comment as we go through all of this. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in... The secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, you all know what the word dwelleth or to dwell means. It means to take up your boat in. It means to be comfortable in something. And it mainly means, in the Hebrew, dwelleth means to constantly abide or reside in. Like John 15, where it talks about the vine and the branch. The branch so dwelleth in the vine that you can't tell where it starts or where it ends. It's so dwelling comfortably, constantly dwelling in the vine. So what this is saying is if we will dwell in the secret place, and let me ask you, where is the secret place? In the tabernacle, the most holy place, because it goes on to say the secret place of the Most High, the most holy place or the secret place was the Holy of Holies. But now listen, where the tabernacle not made with hands? And so where are we to dwell in? I don't have my chart here, but we're to dwell in the right side. We're to constantly... Dwell in, constantly turn within, and trust me, you're going to have to constantly learn to do this yes. because yeah. you're always going to have thoughts from the appearance realm yeah. that raise their ugly head yeah. and try to tell you, no, it's this way, it's yes. not that way. Yeah. It's not the Father's way, it's not the Christ way. And you have to yield that, and as you do, you bring the masculine and the feminine together. So he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High... He that dwells within himself, see, Jesus is at the right of the Father. But guess what? You are seated at the right of the Father in the throne. Now, God's throne objectively is within you and I. But as we bring masculine and feminine together and marry the two together, we're creating subjectively the throne for us to rule from the right side. For us to rule, for us to reign. Reign over what? Rule over what? The nasty thoughts of the left side that try to raise their ugly head up. Now, as I've said before, nothing's wrong with the left side, but there's something wrong with the thoughts that try to come out of the left side that are thoughts in and of themselves. Okay? Now, notice it says the Most High there. Another meaning for the Most High in Hebrew is the name of God, which is El Elyon. And El Elyon speaks of the... Graceful, loving, merciful, benevolent side of God's nature. So in other words, when we dwell in the secret place within us of the Most High, 
we're drowning in the awareness and the understanding of the love of the Father. Yes. He's a loving Father. Yes, he is. He does not bring suffering to teach you a lesson. Now, you can learn things through suffering, but I'm just simply saying, in the Hebraic, Hebraic, excuse me, <laughs> Hebraic, we're going to Hebrew, right? <laughs> Hebrews, right? <laughs> Remember the joke? Hebrew means Hebrews. The Hebraic language, everything is positive. Did you know that? In the Hebraic language, everything is positive. Yes. There's nothing negative there. Yes. So when you dwell in the, listen, the secret place of the Most High, of El Elyon, you're realizing that God does not afflict us to teach us lessons. Absolutely. What lesson could be so great for God to teach me, but the only way he could teach it to me is give me cancer? Hello. Hello? <laughs> There's no lesson that great that I could learn by God giving me cancer or causing me a car accident, to have a car accident. There's no lesson that God's trying to teach me through that. Now, again, I can learn some things on my own through that, but it's not God directly bringing those things into our life. Everything is positive in the Hebraic language. Right. Yes. Meaning there's changes. nothing negative. Nope. So when we dwell, as it says here, in the secret place of the Most High, we shall abide, he goes on to say, under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, the word shadow... I wonder many times, why would he put shadow there? Well, shadow means presence. And in Psalm 17, 8, it says there, it refers to being hid under the shadow of the wings or the presence. And in the most holy place, there was the cherubim that had the wings, right? right? And what did they do? They shadowed what? The mercy seat with what? With the presence of God. And let me just say the cherubim, when you study the cherubim that were on the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place, cherubim means blessers yep. and apprehended ones. That's us. So that's us. So we're the cherubim that are not only overshadowed by the presence, that's right. but we are that presence. Wow. Now, shadow also means, besides presence, it means trust. Psalm 36, 7, they put their trust in the shadow of the wings. And it means rejoicing, Psalm 63, 7, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Mm -hmm. So you see, all of this in verse 1 can fit around all of these things that I have shared. And it all speaks of our subjective experience of being his presence, of trusting and rejoicing. And when you draw out of the right side of your Christ's mind, that's the ultimate of trust. It's the ultimate of rejoicing. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Right? So all of this that I've said can fit into us draw, yielding the thoughts, the lower thoughts of the left side and the lower desires of the life side, yielding them to the Christ's mind Everything that I've said tonight will come out of the experience subjectively of us living out of our Christ mind. Dwelling on the inside of ourselves, where the Christ mind is. All of that will fit in with that. Now look at verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. When I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and I live from my right side, and masculine and feminine have been joined together because I yield the lower thoughts and the lower desires, then I will say of the Lord, He is. Not going to be. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Now, let me give you some meanings of some of these words. Because the rest of this psalm hinges on verses 1 and 2. Dwelling on the inside. Drawing from the Christ mind. Yielding the stinking thinking from the left side in and of itself. It has to do with presence. It has to do with trust. It has to do with rejoicing. So I don't care what we say. If we're going to experience who we are subjectively in our lifestyle, 
It's going to hinge on these two verses of Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. Dwelling on the inside, living from the inside out, saying of the Lord, he is. It's like saying, my father is my health as me. Not going to be. I I hear so many people say and see on Facebook so often, well, God is moving. Well, not unless you're moving. (laughs) Our moving is his moving when we move by the power of the Spirit from within. Or God is going to heal this person. God's not healing anybody, folks. It's already a done deal. So we have to see that he is our health as us. He is our wealth as us. He is all in all as us. He is my refuge as me and my fortress as me. My God, in him will I trust. Now, let me give you some definition. The word refuge here means to be protected from danger of pursuit, something pursuing me, or oppression. And where could that come from initially? The left side, in and of itself. And it also means, refuge also means a high place. Hello, where's the high place? The Christ mind, the right side. In other words, our protection, listen, is our Christ mind. That is my safety. That is, that's where it has to start, folks. We can't just pray this and say, well, you know, God, will you please protect me from the snare of the fowler, the noise and pestilence, and meaning it's something out here. No, the snare of the fowler, as we're going to see, and the noise and pestilence is that which is on the left side. And when we get that straight and get that revelation, then yes, we'll be protected from things that would try to harm us from the outside. And it'll be fruit that remains. Now, the word fortress... Okay, so listen, refuge is to be protected from danger of something pursuing you from the left side, and I'm adding that, that word, or oppression from something from your left side, and it also means, refuge also means a high place, which is your Christ mind. So what's going to protect you from something on the left side pursuing you? Some oppression that would try to get a hold of you between your ears, What's going to protect you from that is the Christ mind, drawing out of the Christ mind. Okay? Wow. Now, the word fortress now in Hebrew, where he says, I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. The word fortress in Hebrew means a protection against large-scale attacks wow. and a stronghold. Good. Now, where did wow. Paul identify the word strongholds with? I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if I'm not mistaken. Strongholds are right here. So even the word fortress in Hebrew means a protection against large-scale attacks or against strongholds, which Paul said is between our ears. Where do the attacks come from? Our lower thoughts, our lower desires. So we trust that yielding our left-sided thoughts in and of themselves or our left-sided desires in and of themselves is what? That's the attacks. And some are stronger than others. Yep. See, and that's what the word, the word fortress is just showing you something that's stronger than what the word refuge means, which is something pursuing you, something trying to oppress you, and it also means refuge, a high place, which would mean only your Christ mind can do that. Well, even on the stronger attacks, which is what the fortress means, it's still going to be your Christ mind <laughs> that's going to protect you from those thoughts. So, you know, we all know some days the thoughts come stronger and more often, right? Right. And I say most of them are based upon the appearance realm Absolutely. because we have not learned to judge things properly. We have right. judged things in the appearance realm by the seeing of the two eyes in our head yeah. and the hearing of the two ears in our head as well. We've got to judge righteous judgment. We've got to judge by the single eye. We've got to judge appearances by the spirit, or I can say it by the Christ mind. Now, the rest of the psalm, then, hangs upon verses 1 and 2 here that we just read of Psalm 91. Look at verse 3 now. Surely he... Now, let me say this. Who's the he? Someone says, well, God? Well... 
If that's true, where is God or Christ in us? The masculine principle. The Christ mind. So surely our masculine principle or our Christ mind, verse 3, shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. So the doubts and the fears that we encounter from time to time are what? The snares and the pestilence here can be anything within our heart awareness that is impure. That is not clean. And the moment that you and I are aware of the pestilence, what do we do? We flee to our high place. We flee to our fortress where we place ourselves above and beyond anything that would try to touch us or bring us down in any way. So let me read that again. Surely my masculine principle, surely my Christ mind is going to deliver me from the snare of the lower thoughts, the snare of the fowler, and from the noisome pestilence, which are lower desires. <coughs> so you've got lower thoughts, the snare. You've got lower desires, the noisome pestilence. And what's going to deliver us from that? He, the Christ mind, the masculine principle of our right side. Now, can you see how? People have taken this and they've applied it to all these outside things. And one of the things that they have attributed pestilence to is diseases. Because yes. you can go back into the book of Revelation and yep. it talks about that. But listen, it's not talking about just outside external things that appear to come against us. <laughs> and yes, we can pray Psalm 91. And yes, sometimes we'll be delivered from those things or not experience those things. Or not have those things take us down or take us out. But when we can see that it all starts in the inner part. Which has to do with our feminine principle. Which has to do with the lower thoughts or the lower desires. Again, nothing wrong with our left side. It's an equivalent. But listen, the thoughts came through the woman. The lower thoughts. Eve was tempted to partake of the tree. She was the one that was originally tempted. And the same way today, all of our temptations and lower thoughts come from our feminine principle. Us, the woman, earth. But in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with our feminine principle. It's an equivalent. It just has a different role than our masculine principle has, and the role is to yield. It's to yield. Now, look at verse 4. He... There you go again. He, masculine principle, Christ's mind, shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. We'll read it again. He, the masculine principle, or Christ's mind, shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his, the masculine principle, or Christ's mind, wings shall thou trust. His truth, where is the truth in us? Well, the truth is not just written in the Bible, the truth is written upon our heart and mind. That's right. Okay? So the last part, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. His truth where? Not in your Bible, although we're not throwing that away, that confirms truth, but his truth shall be a shield and buckler. It's the truth that was written upon our heart and upon our mind. That's right. Right? From the get-go. Let me read it again. He shall cover thee with his feathers at Christ's mind. And under his wings, the Christ mind, shalt thou trust. I don't trust my left side in and of itself. But I trust my masculine principle, my Christ mind. His truth, the truth that's written on my heart and my mind, shall be my shield and my buckler. So listen, the moment that we turn away from the snare of verse 3 that we read about, The moment that we turn away from the snare, then the Christ mind principle is ready to step up and be our shield and our buckler, as it says in verse 4. Now, our shield and buckler is that which was and is and always shall be. Yesterday, today, and forever. The feathers here and the wings refer again to the cherubim that were in the most holy place that were on the Ark and the Covenant. And again, those cherubims represent God's presence. Those cherubim represent blessers. 
Those cherubim represent a people that are apprehended. Those cherubim represent a people that are living epistles known and read of man. Those cherubims represent the word made flesh in us and as us. And listen, the knowing of this, the knowing of what I just said, is the very thing that becomes our shield and our buckler. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth doesn't make you free. It's the knowing yes. of the truth that makes us free and becomes our shield and our buckler. There it is. Now, in metaphoric language, a shield and a buckler is that which, listen, covers the person completely and totally. So that any weapon, in the natural it's that too, but metaphorically, the shield and the buckler is that which completely covers us, envelops us, so that when any weapons are thrown at us from the left side, we really have the protection. And what is the protection? It is the Christ mind of our right side. Therefore, when lower thoughts and challenges come to us, what happens is our Christ mind... Our masculine principle, our realm of spirit, our heaven, call it what you will because they're all one and the same, becomes our shield totally enveloping us and our buckler. Isn't that good? So again, it all starts on the inside, whereas we've looked at Psalm 91 as being protected from all this stuff that comes at us from the outside, from the external rather than realizing it starts on the inside because awareness, heart coherence, is manifestation. Verse 5. That is so good. Verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, Mm -hmm. nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Uh Now, the terror is any dread of what man can do unto you. In other words, the thoughts of man's religion has influenced us. So thou shalt not be afraid of man's religion by night, ignorance, in ignorance. You can read in Revelation, the frogs come out and croak at night. And that's talking about creatures that have no idea what they're talking about. That's talking about man whose breath is in his nostrils, croaking out what they think is the truth. So thou shalt not be afraid of that by night. Or people in ignorance croaking at you with what they call the gospel. Nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Nor for the arrow that flieth by day. In other words, nothing by night, ignorance. Nothing by the day, the arrow that flieth by day. So in other words, nothing by night and nothing by day can hurt you. Neither, as it says in verse 5, will you be afraid of that. That is so good. When, listen, when you are operating, when you're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, in other words, you're drawing from the inside rather than from the outside. You're not putting any stock in the left side in and of itself, but you're putting all your stock and confidence in the fact that his word is written upon your heart and upon your mind, you are heaven, you are the realm of spirit, you're his presence, and you are the Christ mind. This is why, folks, the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so will be his subjective experience. Guard your heart, for out of it flows what? The issues of life. Awareness is manifestation. True heart coherence, in other words, the masculine and the feminine join together, married together subjectively. We know they're already one objectively, but subjectively married together because we've yielded those things, the snare of the fowler, the noise and pestilence, all of that. We have yielded that to the right side, and we draw in our Christ mind. We're not afraid of anything. We're not fearful of anything. Because we have the confidence in our right side, in our Christ mind. Now look at verse 6. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. There's that word again, pestilence, that walketh in darkness. We're not afraid of these things now. Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. So all of the things listed in verses 3 through 6 that appear to be outward 
are really, first of all, all of these things, let me list them again, snare of the fowl, noise and pestilence, terror by night, air of the flock by day, pestilence, walking in the darkness, destruction at noonday, the, all of those things, all of those things from verses 3 to 6, while they appear to be outward when you read it on the surface level, they're really things that are going on inwardly within a person that is not living out of the Christ mind. That's what happens. Now, when those things are in line, when those things are in line, the two are one, Yes. then absolutely you have protection and safety from the outer things absolutely. that try to come in. See, all of these things are first related to lower thinking. And what did Jesus say in Matthew, or I think maybe Mark chapter 7? It's not, listen, it is not that which is without that defiles the man, but it is that which is within that defiles the man. It's not some demon and devil out here. But what it is, is us allowing the lower thoughts and the lower desires that filter through the left side to take us over and to rule our lives. They're where? They're within. It's not that which is without the defiles of man. It's that which is within. That which we allow into our awareness and we dwell on those things rather than dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. You know, there's an old saying uh, that goes somewhat like this. You know, a a, a bird can fly over your head, but you don't have to allow it to build a nest in your hair. (laughs) Right? In other words, you could have all these negative thoughts that would filter through the left side because you're seeing things in the appearance realm, but you don't have to allow those things to stay. You don't have to dwell on those things. You can quickly go to the right side. Sometimes I literally do that. I've told you before. A thought comes, sometimes I'll go, go to the right side. And I've had to do that a lot lately this last few weeks. I'm not sure... You know, what's going on? But I've had to do that quite a bit the last few weeks. There's been a lot of left-sided thoughts that have tried to raise their ugly head in my life in the last few weeks. Now, look at verse 7. Now, listen to this. And let me say this. Do you know that it is estimated that you have about 70,000 thoughts a day? That's all. Is that all? That's all. 75. That's all. So now listen to this verse. With all those thoughts. Now, not all of those thoughts are from the left side. But, you know, some of them can be from the Christ mind. Hopefully more from the Christ mind than, than from the left side. But just appearances cause us to have thoughts. Just a realm of appearance, something can cause you to have thoughts that try to filter through and raise up from the left side. Now, verse 7, look what it says. Look what it says. A thousand shall fall at thy side. Now think about this. Okay. And ten thousand at thy right hand. Uh-oh. Now let me say something about angels. I do believe that there are angels, like for the book in the book of Revelation, it talks about angels. I believe they can be people with a message. But more specifically, I see angels as a as a message whether it comes through an individual or whether they are thoughts that come to your mind. Okay? So angels can be thoughts. When it talks about archangels, it's talking about arc is higher thoughts, the higher thoughts from the Christ mind. But there can also be angels of light. Who was it that said that? Paul, maybe? Mm -hmm. Angels of light, and those are deceiving thoughts. That's what he attributes them to. An angel of light can be a thought that comes to deceive you. So where it says in verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, I see that as one-third of the angels that fell. Oh, my God. Jesus. We need to have some angels that fall. Come on. Right? A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. Well, the right hand is the Christ mind. So when you put on the Christ mind, those thoughts that you are currently involved with that are filtering through the left side, they're going to fall at your side. And what are those thoughts? They can be angels of light. See? They can be angels of light. So where do we get the, you know, people ask me, quite often I hear people, you know, ask the question, what about the third of the angels that fell? It talks about that in um, one of the little Peter 
first or second Peter, maybe a little in Revelation, I'm not sure. Maybe it's in Jude. One of those little books or Titus, I'm not even sure where it's at. But you know what I'm talking about. One third of the angels fell. Well, we are spirit, soul, and body. One third of us is right here. So some of those angels of light need to fall when they filter through the left side. And we certainly know that when we draw from our Christ mind, they're going to fall. Yes, ma'am. Those angels, those angels of light, or those thoughts, angels or thoughts, when we're drawing from our Christ mind, you better believe they're going to fall at your right side. Because they can't abide with the thoughts of the Christ mind. They, they can't abide with the archangels with the higher thoughts that you're entertaining. Right. So that's why it's so important for us to understand that heaven needs to flow through earth. How is heaven? You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, heaven is invading earth. Not unless earth is being yielded. They say that again. People say it all the time. Oh, we're living in a time where heaven's invading earth. Well, not unless earth is yielding. If our earth, our left side, is yielding those squirrely thoughts, then heaven automatically invades earth. The two become one. So good. Oh, we're getting somewhere here. Yes, we are. Yes. So we have to see Psalm 91 primarily is talking about what is going on within us when it talks about the snare of the fowler, the noise and pestilence, the terror by night, the air that flies by day, the pestilence that's walking by darkness and the destruction of noonday. That all happens when the thoughts begin to filter through the left side as a result of you focusing on an appearance or seeing an appearance and judging it wrongly. But when we draw from the Christ's mind, then all of those things, snare of the fowler, all those things I listed, they fall by the wayside. As we read in verse 7, they fall by the wayside. Now, look at verses 8 and 9. And I like this. Only, I'm going to emphasize that, only with the two eyes on your head. I'm adding that. I'm going to read it right in a second here. Only with thine eyes, the two eyes on your head, shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. And I'll tell you what, in religion, we have said, well, bless God, they're going to get what they have coming. Because we saw with our eyes on our head, and we didn't discern that the unrighteousness that they were portraying and manifesting was the absence of the awareness of righteousness. That is so good. That That the darkness in them that was being manifested was simply the absence of the awareness of light. That's it. We judged them by the two eyes. We saw the reward or the consequences of the wicked. And boy, did we jump on that. What goes around comes around. What you sow, you reap. Oh, they're going to get their due. Just do. However we said that, they're going to get it. It's going to come to them. But listen when it goes on to say in the rest of the verse, because thou hast made the Lord, I'm going to add a word there, but because (laughs) thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, my habitation, I'm not judging them by the two eyes on my head. I'm judging them by the heart awareness that has been joined to the Christ mind. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, religion's a mess. That's a mess. They're looking for everything that's wrong rather than what is right. Yes. Yes. And that has to cease, folks. It has to cease. Even right here in this body, that has to cease. We don't have to label everything. I I wrote a post yesterday. Go read it. Go read it. We don't have to be opinionated and label everything as good or evil. We still do it. Oh, I could get on a soapbox, but I ain't in on it. We don't have to label things. When we see people doing stuff that's, you know, maybe not so nice, we don't have to label it. Just love them. Oh, I don't want to do that. I might be condoning what they're doing. Forget about the condoning business because it's the truth that will make them free. Absolutely. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's not condoning what people are doing. 
by seeing some unrighteous, so-called unrighteous deed, we need to realize they're just not realizing who they are, their righteousness. Sin is what? Sin is mistaken identity. Sin's pearl is behavior that is that comes out of mistaken identity. Right. So why can't we look at people that have horrible behavior and say, it's just mistaken identity? That's what Jesus did. It's exactly what Jesus did. Exactly. So let me read that again, verses 8 and 9. Only with thine eye shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. But, I'm adding, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, my habitation. In other words, I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. I'm setting up house there, habitating. Not a visitation. Once in a while I go to the Christ mine. I'm setting up my house. I'm habitating. I'm setting up house in my Christ mine. And as I see, because constantly dwell. Dwell means to constantly. It means to set up house. Set it up. And I'm making my habitation in my Christ mine. See, so our refuge is our high place. It's our Christ mine. Verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. So when we've set up habitation, constantly dwelling in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty, when we do that, when our dwelling places are Christ's mind, no lower thoughts can affect us negatively. They may try and they will try to rise up within you, but you're abiding. You set up house on the right side in the Christ mind. Woo! Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Verse 11. For he shall give his angels. Oh! My higher thoughts. He, my Christ mind, my right side, shall give his angels the higher thoughts charge over thee to keep thee in a few of thy ways. All thy ways. Oh, all of thy ways. Get it right, all sister. of thy ways. Get it right. In other words, you are giving, you, the Christ mind, are giving your higher thoughts, your Christ mind charge to keep you in all your ways. Listen, we're not going to separate this and say, oh, this God out here is going to come separate from us. And he's going to give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my way. No, you do this through the power of the Spirit. Nowhere does it say that God is going to renew our mind or bring the renewing mind up. Nowhere does it say that Christ is going to put on my mind of Christ. No, you do that. We do that within ourselves. And as we do that, the higher thoughts of the Christ mind. That's so good. We give them charge. Yes. We give them rulership. Yes. Our Christ mind, our Christ yes. higher thoughts, our archangels to keep us in all our ways. Verse 12. They shall bear thee up. This is what our thoughts from the right side is going to do. Our higher thoughts, these angels, they're going to bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against a stone. So our angels, our Christ mind, mm-hmm. When we activate it, not God, separate from us, when we activate it, it keeps us from calamity, and it's our safety, it's our protection in general, but also notice, lest that thou would dash thy foot against a stone. What I see in that is it keeps us, our higher thoughts keep us from legalism and literalism. Yes! Yes. Legalism and literalism. It keeps us. Literally. It literally keeps us from literalism. You won't dash your foot against a stone being the law, literalism or legalism. Why? Because you're abiding, dwelling constantly. You set up house in the right side. And as you set up house in the right side and you habitate or you constantly dwell there, what are you doing? You're joining masculine and feminine together. Because you have already yielded the left side. Now, verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Now, if you notice, verse 12, it says, Lest thou dash thy foot against a stone, 
Here it uses the word feet. So verse 12, you see foot, F-O-O-T. Verse 13, feet, F-E-E-T. Now, what's the last thing to come out in a normal birth? The feet. If it's not a breech baby, the last thing to come out is the feet. Jesus said he was the first and the last. He also said, he also said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. What is that talking about? Isaiah talks about a feet company. Other places talk about the end of an age and there being a feet company. A people have fully birthed. Yes. The Christ. Oh, man. And I see the end of the age as the end of Pisces and the beginning of Aquarius. And in Aquarius, a feet company is birthed. Isaiah chapter 52, 7 states that there's a feet company that are upon the mountains, the high places, Aquarius, and they're beautiful. Woo! Glory! Man, if they don't get your... Now, I can also take that. Wow! I can also take that to the three feasts. Wow. Israel was told to celebrate three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. The last feast was Tabernacles. Now, I'm going to, and I I believe in the three feasts. I taught them differently 15, 20 years ago. But I see something now in relationship to what we're sharing here. Because, listen... Trumpeting, when they'd sound the trumpet at the Feast of Tabernacles, yeah. it would gather the people together. They would come into oneness. So, trumpets to me represents the sounding of the word that we're hearing today yes. that the Spirit is quickening yes. and is revealing our objective, just our objective, oneness. In atonements, what they would do was they would afflict their souls by fasting. Our affliction of our souls is yielding the lower thoughts and desires from the left side. It's an affliction. It can be an affliction. We are fasting on the truth and we're feasting the left-sided thoughts, lower thoughts and lower desires. That's atonements. And then the last one was tabernacles. Listen to that. Tabernacles infers our subjective experience of oneness. Okay? Trumpets revealed our objective oneness. Tabernacles reveals our subjective oneness so that we can subjectively walk in it and experience it. And all of that comes out of the word foot and feet. Beautiful feet. Yes. We have beautiful feet. Why? Because we're up on the mountains. Right? Isaiah 52 7. There's a feet company up on the mountains, and those feet are beautiful. They are beautiful. I may not have beautiful feet in the natural, but I got some beautiful spiritual feet. And so do you. So do you. Now, look at verse 14. Psalm 91, verse 14. Because he hath set his love upon me. Now, what we're going to see is six I wills here in verses 14 through 16. We're going to see six I wills and four Ps. Six I wills and four Ps. So let's read verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I, that's number one, deliver him. Who's the I? The I within the eye of your eye. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Within the eye of your eye. Yeah. There's an eye within your eye, right? So, therefore, will I, or I will, and then it says, I will set him on high because he had known my name. Uh Now, name is character, but it also means way. There's a people that know the way that Jesus followed, and they're following that way. And again, it's what? It's drawing from the Christ line. Jesus said, I don't do anything but what I see the Father do. Don't say anything but what I hear the Father say. So it's not God doing these things outside of us and separate from us, but it is we who choose intentionally to live from the inside. We set ourselves on high by knowing his way. So there you have two I wills in verse 14. Look at verses 15 and 16. He shall call upon me... And I will answer, still talking about our Christ mind, I will be with him in trouble. Yep. The eye of our eye, the Christ
is mine. I will see. I you are. I am. The eye of your I amness is Christ, and it's the Christ mind. I will deliver him and honor him. Verse sixteen. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvations or salvation. So the sixth I will. I will deliver him. Talking about the eye of our Christ mind. I will set him on high. Talking about the I am of our I amness. The eye of our I amness. Number three. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Yes, he is. The eye of us. Yes. I will deliver and honor him. I will satisfy him with long life and show him my salvation. Yes, ma'am. We set that into motion, folks. We set that into motion. Not some God out here separate from us. We do it certainly by the power of God. Yes. By the power of Christ within us. Yes. But it's it's us setting our intention and intentionally. Dwelling in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. Then the four P's is to set him on high. What does that infer? God's presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. I will answer him. God's power. I will deliver him. God's protection. But God in us. I will satisfy him equals God's provision, which we receive from before time ever began. So, in closing, and I'm going to read the paraphrase, let me close by saying that subjectively experiencing Psalm 91 is based on verses 1 and 2. It is the dwelling, constantly abiding, setting up habitation in our right side, our Christ mind, after we have yielded the lower thoughts and the lower desires that have tried to penetrate through our left side, So you have two words here. You have yielding and dwelling. We yield the left side in and of itself as we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And that's called heart coherence. That's bringing masculine and feminine together, marrying them together, and then we subjectively, what are we doing? We are subjectively... Because God's throne is objectively within us, in our heart. You can read that in Isaiah. But we subjectively then begin to rule from the throne that we have subjectively created. Amen. What do we rule over? Left side. And when we rule over the left side in and of itself, those thoughts and those lower desires, then what happens? Of course, protection ensues. Anything on the outside that would try to hurt us. Anything that would try to bring us down or take us out. Any accident. Any disease. Remember, he gives us long life. Any disease, Anything out here, when we have it right in here in the inside, where the left side is concerned, then yes, there is safety. There is protection. There is all of those things that we're spared from on the outside or if those things do get a hold of us we walk through them we walk through the fire without getting scathed or burned without the smell of smoke upon our clothes or our bodies burned or our hair singed because we have first dealt with the inside now that's folks when you tap into fruit that remains It'll happen out here once in a while just by praying the prayer. Oh, God, please protect me and all that sort of thing. And, you know, that's where people are at, and that's okay if that's where they're at. God does meet people where they're at. And I don't even like saying that anymore. I know. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't even like saying that anymore. I know. But, you know, for the just for the sake of those who maybe are having a little hard time with this, he, he met us all. I told someone the other day, you know, we got to quit asking God to do stuff. Yep. He's done it all. He can't do nothing for us mm-hmm. apart from us. You heard the last part, apart from us. Yes. What he does, he does in us yeah. and as us. Mm-hmm. Someone says, oh, we need a move. We need a revival. You are the revival. <laughs> <laughs> we need a move of God. You are the move, and he ain't moving unless you move. In him will I live, move, and have my being. And when I move, that's the same as he moving. 
But not from out here, from within. Yes. Now let me read the paraphrase. I'm going to close. And I made this as simple as I could. All the way down to verse 13 from verse 1. Listen to this. When we constantly live from within, from our Christ mind, we abide in the presence. We trust and we rejoice in El Elyon's love and grace. Verse 2. As I live from within the Christ mind, I will say that my Christ consciousness is my protection. It's God's protection as me. Just like we say, God is my health as me. I will say that my Christ consciousness is, already is, my protection from the lower thoughts and the lower desires. Verse 3, I am confident that as my masculine and feminine are joined, subjectively, I am spared from doubts and fears and anything which is not pure, clean, or true. Verse 4, in that state of consciousness or heart awareness, I am surrounded within and without with the truth that I am a blesser and I am apprehended. That truth is, not going to be, is my total safety from left-sided challenges. Verse 5, I will not be fearful of the thoughts of man nor the traditions of man, nor anything that could potentially pierce or wound me spiritually, physically, intellectually, or emotionally. Verse 6, Neither am I afraid of the lower thoughts that want to intensify in the nighttime. You ever have, notice at the nighttime, sometimes your thoughts try to go like crazy. You, you know, think about the day and what you did during the day or what your, this person said or maybe your kids or grandkids, and, and your thoughts just go wild, right? So neither am I afraid of the lower thoughts that want to intensify in the nighttime or anything destructive during the daytime. Verse 7 the 70,000 thoughts that seek to motivate me will fall by my left and by my right side as I draw from my Christ mind. Verse 8, I know that appearances viewed by my two eyes on my head will fall flat because my Christ mind is my constant dwelling place. Verse 9, my habitation... And my Christ mind is the refuge. My Christ mind, my habitation is the refuge of my Christ mind. My Christ mind is my habitation and my refuge. That's what I run to. I run to my Christ mind when something tries to assail me on a negative level from the left side in and of itself. Verse 10, therefore, try as they may, no lower thinking can affect me. It's kind of like you're saying, bring it on. It's not going to affect me. Why? Because the angels of higher thinking keep me in every area of my life. These higher thoughts, verse 12, uphold me from calamity and are my safety and protection. They are. Not going to be. They are. The higher thoughts. These higher thoughts are my keeping power. Verse 13, as a result of where I continually dwell, everything is under my feet. And I am above and not beneath where my life and existence in and as Christ is concerned. So there you have Psalm 91. From an inward perspective, which then will be outpictured in the outside. Listen, folks, that is why teaching the scriptures allegorically is so important. Yes. Because it shows you how it can happen in you, and it's not just some history story about thousands of years ago. No, it's happening in us right now, and as it's happening in us, guess what? It's outpictured outwardly in our walk and in our experience, and that's what we want to experience. Father, we thank you. Yes, Lord. For who you are? Yes. In us? Yes.
for the Christ that rules as us. Yes. Thank you, Father, that we're beginning to see the difference. We're beginning to differentiate the truth, the inside from the outside. We're beginning to see your very purpose for our lives. Yes, Lord. And thank you for Holy Spirit that even now is quickening these yes. truths within us, making them alive, yes. birthing them, mm-hmm. conceiving them. Yes. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and for who you are as us. Thank you for the cross, the death that exposed those lies of religiosity. And thank you for the resurrection that revealed the truth of who we have always been from before the foundation of the world. Bless you. Thank you for this people, for those that were watching via Facebook Live today. We trust that they were blessed as well. Yes. And we thank you and we honor you in the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 So good.